Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com give. Enjoy the message. Oh, yeah. Well, we're going to have baptisms at uh, many of our services this weekend. So we just had to show that one. I uh, want to welcome you again. If you're new here, I'm Ben. I'm the lead pastor. Uh, hey, Thank you for being here on the first sunny and warm weekend of the year. Uh, puts a lot of pressure on me to do a good job uh, today. And I want to welcome those of you who are watching in Issaquah, Duval, Castle Rock, and Woodenville, Bothell as well, as we kick off our new series called I Believe in God, But. Uh, about 11 months ago, there was a new a poll done by the Gallup organization, one of the largest and, and most respected research organizations of any kind uh, in our country, and it was on religion and American life. And it's interesting, uh, despite all the talk about maybe people with no faith at all, and, and that might be some of us, maybe more in the Northwest, uh, about, but about 89% of people would say that they believe in a personal God. 79% say they're really sure. 10% say uh, they're hoping that's true. And so I think a lot of us, uh, whether we're Christ followers or not, we would begin with that. I believe in God, but... And uh, today what I want to do, we're in this series we're going to look at a number of different topics that I think are going to be uh, pertinent to you. Uh, but today I want to look at uh, really what we hope for uh, and maybe we think can be elusive is I believe in God, but can I really have a clean slate? Uh, now, David, who's a great king of the Old Testament, a hero of the Bible in many ways, a really a big failure in others, was hoping for that in his life. He had a very public failure. Uh, he had uh, committed adultery. He had really betrayed the trust of, of his nation. Uh, he uh, had someone killed, not directly, but indirectly. And his life had fallen apart. And in the midst of that, uh, he, he prays. We have some of his prayers uh, that are in the songbook of the Old Testament, the Psalms. We also have an account of how he went through that. If you'll take your outline out of your program, if you haven't done so already, uh, I want to look at our very uh, first verse, which is really his prayer, where he says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Have you ever maybe felt like that, you've prayed a prayer like that, where you're saying, God, can you, can you bring uh, back order to my world? Can you renew it? Can you make it new? Is there even a future for me? Uh, this sense is uniquely human, uh, where we have maybe a, a sense of regret and this hope for restoration. And in fact, no matter what someone's nationality or background or religion, 
People always want to know, how can I really uh, clear up my moral debt? How can I have a clean start? I mean, you, you think about that. We don't see that in the animal world. We don't see uh, tigers with a lot of regret. We certainly don't see cats with any regret, do we? Uh, <laughs> um, my, my dog, Jack, he carries very little regret with him. I just got it. He's a 12. In fact, uh, sort of, it was sort of funny. Well, actually, not funny for one person. You'll find that out in a second. Who? Uh, but uh, he's 12 years old. He's an old dog. Uh, he's still very playful. And uh, my wife was uh, inside, and she, I don't know what she was doing, but, but the door was a little bit ajar. And Jack, with his hearing, he still has keen hearing, uh, he heard with a, a minivan door open. And for him, that must have brought back some fond memories or something like that, because he bolts uh, through the house, out of the house, across our very small yard, over to the area where the mailboxes are for our neighborhood. They're right in front of our house. And there was someone who had just opened up their van door for some reason, and uh, they were getting their mail, and Jack just jumps right in the van. Uh, and uh, totally freaked this uh, uh, little grandma out uh, again. Uh, she was saying something uh, in another language. Uh, my wife didn't know what she was saying, uh, but you know cursing when you, you see it, right? <laughs> and so uh, she was uh, freaked out. She wouldn't go in the van, and uh, my wife had to go and drag uh, Jack out of the van. Uh, she was a little bit traumatized. My wife uh, scolded him like we always do. But I don't know if you have a dog, he sort of gets that look on his face like, worth it. <laughs> and so uh, that, but you know, he, he doesn't carry a lot of uh, regret uh, in his life. It's a uniquely human thing. And it's probably one of the deepest feelings that we can have is, is how do I find real restoration? Uh, so what I want to look at uh, are what are our odds for a clean slate? Well, it depends on who you're talking to and who you're applying this to. Always with God if you ask. Uh, and that's what we find in the Scripture. And in fact, it says in 1 John 1, 9, uh, it says, if, you if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Now, now, people will choose other paths. They'll choose gods of their own making. We've probably all done this at some point in our life. Uh, I was looking online, which you never should do. Uh, and there's actually, uh, when it, you're talking about some sin or confession, there's all these online confessionals. Uh, there's uh, e-admit, uh, absolution online. Uh, there's uh, simply confess. I do not suggest any of these uh, whatsoever, where people are trying in their own way to make things right. And that's a laudable effort. But if we, if we try to do the right thing, but it's, it's a misplaced trust, or we don't understand really how this works, we're going to feel like God failed us. Sort of like for uh, um, Mother's Day, I went down and I, I bought my mom a uh, Amazon uh, Echo, an Alexa, you know, one of those things. Any of you have those? Any of you have Alexa or Google Home or anything like that? 
these are these are great. It's sort of a, a digital assistant. Uh, my mom uh, is getting up in years, and she doesn't have her sight anymore. And so I thought it would be good for her uh, to have one of these because then she can say, "What time? You know, hey Alexa, what time is it? Alexa, what's the weather like? Alexa, uh, what's the news? Uh, what's the news? Alexa, uh, play uh, Beverly's playlist, which is her name, and so all of these things. And so I, I thought this would be great for her to open up her world." Uh, but the problem is, is right now we're in this process of her understanding how this works. Because she, uh, I, I always tell her, it's just like Jeopardy, you know, you sort of have to say it the right way. And uh, so she goes, oh, Anita, Anita, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and so she, uh, she figures if she'll yell in a harsh voice uh, that Alexa will operate that way. Uh, and it's sort of funny, uh, she'll, you know, and then finally she said, just turn yourself off. And, <laughs> but but she, she's learning how this works. And I think for many of us, maybe if we didn't come from a faith background, or maybe we were brought up in a faith background that was honestly a little more detrimental to our faith, uh, we're not sure how this really works with God. It's, it's not that we come to God and we uh, confess every particular sin, and if we miss one, we're, we're doomed for eternity. It's where we come to God and we say, God, I confess that, that I need you, that I need a Savior and a Redeemer, that I, it's not about my good works, it's about what you bring, and I ask you into my life. And then we sort of keep uh, that slate clean, at least in our own mind and heart with God, it's all forgiven once we receive him, by, by coming to him. And I think this is so important because oftentimes uh, we, we don't come to God. But if we come to God, if we come to the God of the Bible that's revealed in the scriptures, then we learn a lot about him. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. So always with God, and here's the part that's maybe not such good news, Sometimes with people. Sometimes with people you can have a clean slate. I mean, there are those moments of grace. A, fr a friend of mine, uh, uh, Gino, he actually pastors a church uh, down in Gig Harbor. Uh, he, was, he lives, uh, Gig Harbor's a lot like it is around here, very hilly. And there's this one hill, my sister lives over in that area, that's super, super steep. And the speed limit is 30 miles per hour. And so I've been down that hill. You have to ride the brakes the entire way to go 30 miles per hour. And, and Gino was talking about uh, how he was driving down that hill and uh, he was going, he actually didn't have his foot on the brake, maybe a little bit on the gas. And so uh, he was going 30 times two down that hill. And, uh, and then he sees something that what, you see those lights and it's not Christmas, right? And he sees that and then uh, he's like, oh no. And then his cell phone rings. He's like, oh, should I pick this up? He picks it up and, and he hears, Pastor Gino, slow down. And uh, the cop went to his church. You know what that is? That's called grace. He didn't get a ticket. Uh, yeah, and if you're a police officer, do likewise, okay? I want you to, so the, when you see Pastor Ben. So uh, the truth is, is that sometimes we will get grace 
And what I found by and large is that people are forgiving. Most people are aware of their own failures and are not likely to bring down the hammer, at least for uh, long. But there are exceptions to that rule. Uh, some of the exceptions uh, are where you've given a partial confession. Let's say you're asking for forgiveness for something, for a clean slate, and you've admitted just enough to, to, to try to get yourself off the hook. Maybe you've been caught. And here's what, what I would say is a partial confession feels like betrayal. And so if you're in one of those situations and uh, it's been one of those days and you've made one of those decisions, don't have it feel like betrayal for the people around you. Say, hey, you, you may not like everything you're going to hear, but at least I want to be honest with you. And when that happens, when it falls on the right ears in the right circumstances, we can have a clean slate. There's also, uh, we can have it sometimes with people, but if people have no framework for forgiveness beyond their own feelings. See, if you're a Christ follower, uh, I, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, let me just be real clear. I think this is so important. Uh, some options in life for you are no longer on the table. So if you've said yes to Jesus, there are some things that you actually don't even need to worry about. You probably don't even need to pray about it because there's not a choice anymore because as you follow Jesus, you say yes to him and his leadership. And so if you're a Christ follower, you say, I, I, I need to find out a way to forgive the people who've hurt me. And now that may take time, it may take energy, it may take counseling, but we know the decision has been made because of the decision that Jesus made about us. But if someone doesn't have that framework, if they believe, you know, what comes around goes around, that there's sort of this cosmic scale, and then, then maybe you might not find uh, forgiveness. In fact, it's interesting in society, you'll find again and again and again, just almost without exception, that the deepest forgiveness is found in those who are truly following Jesus Christ. And then there's good people who are having a hard time processing, um, and that, that people might not, you might not get that clean slate with them initially. And when you do, there might be a different kind of relationship. Trust needs to be rebuilt. For, over time, forgiveness can happen immediately. There's also where there's uh, maybe an emotional or a mental disorder. Uh, any of us who have struggled with that, have a family member, uh, that there just might not be that capability there. And just to understand that and don't, don't take that too deeply in your heart and soul. And there, the interesting thing is I find the least forgiving, most vengeful people in the world are those who have hurt you as well. Now, this isn't always the case, but it, it almost is always the case. I've just seen it played out so many times, I would call it the rule at this point, is that if, if you're asking for forgiveness and doing 
what you need to do, some sense of restitution, but, but they've, they've hurt you as well. See, we, we can forgive those who hurt us, but those who we've hurt, we sometimes have a hard time forgiving. I don't know why it works that way, but I know it almost always does. And if you've carried around some bitterness in your heart, I just want to just be real clear and ask this question. Is there something on your end of the table that you need to confess? And then we can get a clean slate usually at a good church. Uh, And what I'm saying here is that at any church, and I I don't like to use the word should a lot, but uh, we should offer the same grace that Jesus offers uh, without labeling someone, without condemning them, with understanding where there's been hurt and sin and and maybe the process of restoration that needs to take place. Forgiveness is instantaneously. Restoration can be a bit of a process. And I, I see this go two ways. I see this where people will be overly harsh you know, it's a big bad world and, and people are making bad decisions and walking away from Jesus, so we got to hold the line. And we become judge and jury for God as if he's outsourced the work of the Holy Spirit. I don't think he has yet. And then there's sort of a feckless grace, a, a powerless grace that would say, hey, I'm not going to even recognize sin as sin. I'm going to, but if there's no sin, if there's no sense of wrong, there's really no forgiveness. And the, I think the intentions are right at the outset in both cases. One is, I, I know God is holy and pure, and I want to uphold that. The other is, I know God is loving, and I want to uphold that. But the Bible is really clear. For, for, for the real work, the real kind thing to do is understand where there has been hurt, there's been failure, there's been sin, and go ahead and recognize it as that. But understand that God's grace is sufficient. That's why we talk about having a low shame level at Timberlake. We understand and we, what the Scripture says about sin, and we believe that. And it's important, because if you don't know what the problem is, how do you ever get better? But there's no shame, because all of us are fellow str- strugglers, but we're all working towards that goal of honoring Jesus Christ. So if, if that's what we can receive and from whom we can receive it, how come sometimes we don't feel like it's really happened in our life? How come we don't feel like we've experienced that personally and fully? And, and I think because we sometimes fail to see the process that we see play out in Scripture, I'm going to look at one of those examples where, where we open up our hearts to God, and we experience that peace and that joy. King David, as he, uh, as I said, committed adultery, murder, you name it. I mean, you know, a lot of stuff that I hope uh, we wouldn't have the long list that he had. Maybe maybe you do. He went through this process after he's confronted, and and I want to look at that. But first, I want to look at his prayer to God. Another one of his prayers we find in Psalm uh, 51 as well. It says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. 
According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from all my sin. He's not anyone denying anything, but he's believing God. And that's really how we go through the process is take it for, to God first. When you have, go to God first. Oftentimes what we do is we, you know, uh, we'll go to God as a last resort. We'll go to prayer as a last uh, resort. Uh, look at David and, and what he does. It says, then David uh, got up from the ground. This is uh, after his, his son had died. There are consequences of his sin. And after he washed, put on lotions, changed his clothes, he went into the house of the Lord and he worshiped. He said, I'm going to go to, I'm going to, go to God first. You know, when we go to people first, we'll get mixed, mixed results, won't we? Because we are all, all have frailties and failures. I, I made a mistake, and I know some of you probably answered it. I, I was on Facebook, and my, my daughter's finishing her senior year, my oldest daughter in Florida, and uh, we have to uh, get her car there. She's going to have a job, and if, you, uh, if we got her a car there, it would be under Florida insurance. And evidently, like uh, in Florida, the insurance is about uh, twice as much, sometimes three times as much, because of all the insurance fraud and the uninsured motorists, which really makes you want to send your kids to Florida. Uh, so so I, I know we can't get a car there, so we have to either drive it uh, or ship it. And uh, my daughter uh, said that if she had to spend eight cars in a day with me, that would not go well. So, the, uh, so we were looking uh, to ship it. And I got all these, I said, hey, does anyone, I've read some reviews and they're usually pretty bad. And I've got all these horror stories that people told me. And uh, now some people gave me good advice. Other people actually uh, private messaged me about their horror stories about shipping a car and how it's going to be awful and ruined. And uh, I just felt really depressed uh, after that. And I don't think anyone did that intentionally. Maybe a couple of you. But the, uh, <laughs> but the truth is, is we can get more fearful when we're just looking from a human perspective, when we're looking from the perspective of how you work through the pain in your marriage, when we're working through the perspective of how someone else worked through uh, a financial collapse or job loss. But when we get God's perspective, things can change in our life when we bring it to him first. In fact, we, we read this in Psalm 32, 3 through 5. It says this. Uh, he says, When I kept silent, my, bo my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. The funny thing is, is I think a lot of us know that, but we keep on trying other ways. And, and when we want to experience what we maybe know is true, then we'll say, God, I'm going to bring it to you first. And then uh, second is to accept what can't be changed. Now, uh, with King David, 
there's a horrible story of, of this child that was uh, from this illicit relationship uh, dies. And, and King David is, he, he cannot be consoled. But at some point, something changes. We, we read, he answered, uh, while the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. And I thought, who knows, the Lord may be gracious to me and let the child live. But now that he is dead, why should I go on fasting? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. And now notice where his hope is. His hope is that there's an eternity and God is in charge of it. And if we don't have that hope, we're going to live in a sense of fear. One of the uh, great prayers that maybe you've heard before, if you've been to any 12-step group, you probably heard the shorter version of this, but I love it. It's, it's a serenity prayer. Actually, they use a shorter version, the, the full version, by a, a, a theologian, Reinhold Niebuhr. Uh, it goes like this, and this is really how, how we approach in a healthy way uh, life. It says, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did, this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make things, uh, all things right if I surrender to your will, so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. And that's a great prayer. That's a prayer of trust. And in a practical way, it, number three, it's to focus what, on what is left and not on what's lost. Now, could anything ever replace the child that David had lost and, and the respect he had lost, everything he had lost? No. No, but he did have a future he knew that God was still calling him into. Some of you, I think you believe that God has changed his mind about you because of your behavior. I don't believe, as I read the scripture, that you can behave your way out of salvation with God. Could you, could you reject, believe your way, say, God, I don't want any part of you, and would he eventually let you go? I think Probably. But Jesus, as he went to the cross, it covered all sin. We read, uh, then David comforted his wife Bathsheba. She gave birth to a son. They named uh, him Solomon. The Lord loved him. See, the, the past can't be changed, but, but the meaning of the past can be changed. I think that's what Isaiah was getting into when he says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I, Isaiah, if you read the book of Isaiah, a lot of it's about uh, where the nation of Israel had, had failed and where people had come against them. It had been their sin and the sins of others. And I, Isaiah, really God speaking through him is saying, even through the wastelands, I'm going to bring about restoration. And that really is uh, trusting God's power and desire to redeem. That, that God has a power and he has a desire to do it. He, he wants that in your life and in mine. 
But oftentimes, I, I think what happens is uh, we're, we're saying, God, I'm going to just try it my way instead of your way, and then I, I never get the sense of peace that I read about in the Scripture, but I want it. And we all know uh, what that's like. Uh, a while back, actually, I think it was a few years, I was down uh, at, it was around one in the afternoon, and I was at a Denny's. I went to Denny's. Uh, uh, you, you know, Denny's is one of those places that usually you don't set out to go to, you just sort of end up at. And uh, I, I was in, out of Denny's in a pretty uh, sketchy neighborhood, and it was pretty much uh, teenagers and seniors were the primary uh, clientele there, and there were like six people in line, and the server was frantic because it was a big crowd at one o'clock. And I knew that the food might not be great uh, because the coffee had a tag with the time on it, and it said 8 a.m., and it was 1 p.m. Yeah, I think they were letting it ripen just a little bit. And uh, so I get there and I get through the meal. It's very interesting. I love to, to, to people watch. Uh, and so a Denny's is a great place to do that. Uh, and so after we were through, we were getting, getting out and there was a, a couple and there was an older couple. And uh, the guy was, seemed to be more feeble uh, than, than his wife. And uh, I'm assuming they're they were married just by the way they were yelling at each other. <laughs> and so they were happy. I heard him, and I heard what I believe was an argument that had been playing out for 30 years, and now maybe 50 or 60 years. And uh, the funny thing, he was having a difficult time, and that's not the funny part, but, but she was trying to, to help him. And, you know, he, he, was, he was forgetting things and dropping things and, and was just you know, even trying to pay, and that didn't work out. And uh, he's, honestly, he wasn't being too kind to her. And he's like, finally, he's like, you just leave me alone. You let, you let me do this. And it was really uncomfortable, even in a busy, loud Denny's, uh, even in the middle of the afternoon in a sketchy neighborhood, it got everyone's attention. And I, and I was thinking about that after the fact, and, and I was thinking about, in that restaurant, there was only one person that cared about him, only one person that really would do anything for him, that loved him, that was trying to help him. And that was the one that he was most actively pushing away. And I think when we are in those moments, in maybe that state of being where we're, where we're, wanting help, and God is bringing people into our lives. He's coming into our lives. You ended up at church on a sunny weekend, and, and God is trying to speak to you that I think that we all have the capacity to say, no, I'll do it myself. And we push him away, and we don't feel like we've experienced the reality the Scripture talks about and the promise that we want. And so my encouragement today would be to not do that. My encouragement would be for you to trust in God's power and desire to redeem. If you read the Bible, there are parts of the Bible that honestly you're wondering why are they even there. Uh, the first chapter of the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew, is a genealogy, sort of, you know, what 
people maybe would call sort of the boring part of the Bible. And uh, because why are, it's just this name after name. And it's interesting what's hidden in that. Uh, Matthew 1.6, it's talking about the lineage of Jesus. And it goes down, it goes in Jesse, the father of King David. And David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. And it's interesting that in, you know, sort of the family history, the dirty laundry is brought out. That through this relationship that started really in a bad way, really in a sinful way, that God, God even took that and redeemed it. And I think that's given there in the Bible, one, because it's true, and two, so you and I would not think any differently about God's power in your life or in mine. Even when we knew better, even when we went our own way. As I said, there's going to be baptisms in a number of our services uh, on, uh, on almost every one of our campuses uh, this weekend. And uh, one of the people who was baptized recently this, this last year uh, was Nichelle. And, and she shared sort of her story like that, how, how, how she wandered away and found herself in a place uh, she didn't want to be, and how she let God change that. And so I want you to hear her story. Hi, I'm Nichelle, and I've been attending Timberlake for about a year now. So I grew up in Woodinville with my mom, my dad, and my brother, and kind of a strict home environment. So as I kind of got older and more in my young adult years, I, I would kind of say I was a little bit of a mess a little distracted, a little unsure of what direction to go in. Even though I might have seemed calm on the outside, on the inside, I was unsettled. I continued to kind of fill that void and that emptiness with some partying and some drugs and some drinking and men. And and I just woke up one morning and I just remember thinking like, this is not me. Then I met my now current husband, and I think I met him at a very similar point. I think he grew up in a faith-based family, but then kind of went off on his own and um, experimented as well and questioned various things. We just had a passion and a desire to go and seek out God more. And we passed one of the Timberlake A-board signs, and I was like, hmm, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna look into that. So I got on my computer and I checked out Timberlake online and we decided to check it out. And it couldn't have been more perfect. We walked in the doors and we just felt a feeling like we were home. Like this was our place, this was our church and we had finally found it. The second or third week that we were there where Ben came and visited and just asked us to look him in the eye if we accepted Jesus and I just remember I looked him up in the eye, and at that moment, I knew that my life was going to change and it was going to be different. And it was this sense of calming, this sense of warmth. And a couple weeks later, I just, I had already been thinking and having that urging feeling that I wanted to be baptized. I just remember being in that water and so eager just to have my head dunked under the water and just to show everyone that I except Jesus in my life. 
through our faith journey, we've been going to various growth groups and to building these great relationships with people who we can turn to with questions. We can turn to when we're having hard times. We can turn to for the good times to share stuff with together. I couldn't have even imagined that that's where my life would be. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.